welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we discuss and review movies, trailers, TV shows, and anything else pop culture. Today we've got a packed list and we'll be looking at Moon Knight's third and fourth episodes, as well as our thoughts on the latest Thor and Love and Thunder promo teaser trailer. My name is Emmett, and as always, I'm joined by today by my co-host and court jester of Queens, Ivan. Like, specifically District 12 and 13 of Queens, because, like, District 14 has its own court jester, who I'm very close friends with, by the way. Um, So shout out to him. (laughs) Are you going to volunteer at next Hunger Games? I will, definitely. Wait, but wait, District 13 was bombed, wasn't it? I don't know. Allegedly. If if we're still around, I definitely will, for sure. 100%. I would totally go into the Hunger Games voluntarily like you i think that, so i think i would actually train for it i would throw myself into the maze for maze runner well sure if you want to hop franchises <laughs> <laughs> you'd rather do the maze than the hunger games yeah i mean have you looked at me <laughs> that's a great that's a great question though yeah if you had to choose you know gun to the head i think <laughs> i'm picking I think I'm picking Hunger Games, and here's why. The maze, it depends on which group you're getting, because one of the kids had, like, it was jam-packed with just a bunch of girls. But you could end up in the one that, like, we follow, which is just dudes. That, yeah. I don't know how to feel about either of those scenarios, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) Well, that's fair if you don't know, but I know that I would rather, you know, just either win the Hunger Games or just get a quick loss out of the way. All right, how about this? Would you rather live in the world of the giver or be tossed into a dark version of Neverland with a Peter Pan that destroys your soul instead of takes you to the island of lost kids? Mm. I feel like the positive version of Peter Pan is also a hell. <laughs> yeah, for real, right? Like, just Staying take him at surface forever with those guys. Yeah, uh, no. I, there's a you know. Okay, sorry to deviate this, but have you ever read the original Peter Pan books, the ones by uh, J. M. Barry? Like the, the, the reading, of course. You know me. I, I've read everything. There's a line where, <laughs> and I didn't notice this until like I think this was in high school or something. We were like doing some liter- literature class thing. But anyway, uh, there's a line in the book that says that Peter gets rid of the the lost boys when they get too old, and it just I guess I like never really or it kind of escaped me up until that point. But I was like, he, this guy's killing them right before they reach puberty. That's that's essentially how he maintains this constant flow of lost boys. Isn't that what Batman did with Robin? That's different. <laughs> Not much. <laughs> he took orphans and kind of led them to their deaths. I, th- I think that's kind of fair. I think by comic book standards, all of them have died except for one. They all keep coming back, though. So, you know, you know just, just just to be fair here. But w- which one did you pick? Dark Peter Pan or The Giver? I'm going Giver. Yeah, I think I'd go with Giver, too. Yeah, for real. Yes, yes, I, I I would join you in that, too. Unless you're that kid who gets all of the memories, and then you got to live with, like, knowing that nobody else has these memories. I'd be fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> I know something you don't know. <laughs> well, that was a, that's a great tangent there. But uh, like I said, we got a packed episode. We are a couple weeks behind. 
uh, and we're going to get more behind. So we're just going to, you know, put out here what we can. We missed a couple episodes of Moon Knight, which we said we weren't going to be reviewing. Uh, but look at us. We uh, we're fully functioning adults, sort of, and we can change our mind if we want. We've been busy bees lately, so busy bees. Got to gather that honey. Yeah, exactly. Sure. <laughs> so why don't we talk Moon Knight first? Uh, we did obviously this week get a teaser trailer for Thor: Love and Thunder, but why don't we finish up this episode with that and just kind of talk through uh, the last couple episodes of Moon Knight? Yeah, I think just to kind of um, not switch things up a bit, but I guess to kind of condense things a little bit, what were your thoughts overall on the series up until this point? It's a real back and forth. Like the first one wasn't gripping. The second one was pretty interesting because you start to see like Conchu a little bit more and you start to question like who's in charge here. Like I've only been hearing through Steven's point of view. So two was pretty interesting, but then I feel like three... Three actually kept it up, but today's episode four, I, I I didn't really love. So it's a real roller coaster for me. I oddly enough, it's been episode one and two were a little bit of a roller coaster for me, but I feel like since three up to this point, I've really enjoyed this show to the point that I think this might be my favorite out of the Marvel shows. No, you can't keep saying that every time. I haven't. <laughs> this is this is bottom tier. This is it's this or Hawkeye. Hawkeye is probably the worst, but. This no. is down there, man. Come on. No, I got I to gotta disagree with you um, by a lot. <laughs> um, is clearly the best. Sure. I, I don't think we're arguing like the in terms of like best quality. You just show put this here. up there. You said you literally just said, I think this is my favorite. Of my all. favorite. Yeah. Objective. Like th- this is my, my favorite. Yeah, but don't I get into a semantics talk to... of favorite I, versus best. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's two different things, right? So you're liking this, huh? I'm really liking it. I I I thought uh, there's a couple things that are bothering me about it, but I think one of the things that you know, and I don't know if you'd agree with me on this, but I do feel like this is the first Marvel show that almost feels like it acknowledges that it's a show and not an extended movie, because I feel like the pacing has been not problematic in the way that some of the other shows have have kind of done it, right? I feel like Hawkeye maybe had a little bit more level-headed pacing, but I, I do feel like most of these shows have gotten lost in that mix. It seems like they're just an overextended MCU film. Uh, whereas this one, I feel like week to week, I don't feel like we're, you know, pausing at the wrong times or ending at the right, uh, you know, at, at wrong turns here. Um, I think the show for me, at least feels like an actual series. Um, and so that, that, that fact alone, I appreciate, but yeah, I will give you that. It does feel like it's the correct size of a threat for, and like plot for a TV show. Like Loki was trying to do big things in a small format of a TV show. And then you have like Hawkeye and, uh, Falcon winter soldier, which are like kind of smaller plots that could be on TV, but it kind of felt like it was dragged out. Like it didn't need to be that long of a series. So this feels like it's that right middle ground of like the size of the threat and like how far they actually have to go throughout the the planet and their journey for for the plot to unravel. It's also been, I think, for me, refreshing to get to know characters that we've known nothing about, like completely, because these were characters introduced in the in this you know side of the MCU, 
Uh, we've never seen them in movies or, or other shows. And so for me, this the, the way that I see it is I, I feel like this is the most interesting project to me just for that fact alone, but also the way that they're handling this makes me have some more hope about how they're going to handle movies or sorry, uh, Disney plus shows in the future. Cause yeah, like you said, um, Falcon and winter soldier, it was like small plot in a big scale, which felt really off. Right. And then you have Loki, which was big plot, but in small scale, which also felt off because you had the pacing issue, especially towards the back half of the season there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think WandaVision, I think, I think still remains to be like maybe one of the more level-headed ones. But I think that this is where Marvel's starting to find its groove. Like plot and all that aside, I feel like the the logistics of how they're handling the show have been getting better and better. Um, so for that for that alone, you know, this this series, you know, gets some praise for me. But the other thing too is like seeing Moon Knight's story play out, especially close to like the Jeff Lemire uh, run of the character from the comics has been really cool uh, for me, but I, I do get how other people might not see it that way because I've, I've seen one very interesting thing. You said it's been a roller coaster for you over the last couple of weeks. That's not exclusive to you. There's been a lot of people that are like either you really love and are on board with the show by this episode, episode four, or this episode threw you off completely. And now you're just like left you know, kind of not not so much looking forward to the last two. Uh, so it has yeah. been an interesting reaction to see. Yeah, and I will say that the thing that this show has going forward is is definitely a top-tier level of acting, too. I mean, Ethan Hawke's killing his role, and then Oscar Isaac is able to, like, on a, like flip the switch on and off for his, his two personalities. And in scenes where there is no cut, so it's not like he has time to be like, okay, I'm Steven, I'm Steven, I'm Steven, like... He has to like turn it on and off within a no cut scene, like in episode three, I think it was, where he is Mark, but then he has to give up control to Steven so that Steven can like decipher the code or whatever it was. Like that was really good acting and and it's very different personalities. It's not just like a different accent. It's it's all these like mannerisms and everything like that. And the neat part of it, too, is I feel like they're rubbing off on each other, the different personalities, right? Like, you have Steven. Yeah, but just, like, a dangerous line to go down. Like, if you're going to be a show tackling mental health, it's almost like, oh, you just need to give in to, like, your, you know, your temptations or, or like, depression or into whatever. Like, instead of being like, oh, you should probably, like, seek help and talk things out and figure things out, like... It's it's trying to become this show of like, oh, you have like you can just, you know, pick and it's a la carte where you can just pick and choose whatever you want, like the best of either person. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can kind of see that in a way. I also feel like, though, like DID is not curable in, in, in the real world. Right. So it's kind of one of the things where you do have to kind of find a way to live with it. Um. So there's no real solution. I, the the mental health stuff, I think, is, you know, and we talked about it, I think, last time, where we're like, we hope it gets treated with a little bit more respect and just kind of, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how to put it. I guess, like, given the attention that it needs to be given. Yet at the same time, I think a, worldwide, we're just putting the focus on mental health. So I don't think anybody knows how to treat it correctly or sure. how to talk yeah. about it in the right light. 
because it's such a spectrum, right? Like everybody has different things going on. There's the common ones like the depression and anxiety, but then like DID and this kind of thing is like so new to a lot of people. Not like that it hasn't existed before, but like in terms of being part of a conversation. So I I don't know what the right way to do that would be, to be honest with you. Because like I unless we get somebody with DID <laughs> on the pod to be like, hey, how's what's it like to you know do this and that, but um I, I i like that as part of the conversation in general right because like regardless i think you mentioned this in the last time but you know there's folks that will be out you know consuming other content that uh, may never get any exposure to this or may never really think about it um and so to, for it to be part of this larger like world or just even like a subplot of it uh, I think it's a neat thing because it brings up awareness and at the very least, it's not something that's uh, completely alien, I guess, to to the mainstream audience moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I would love if there was some sort of studies on the effects of Marvel shows and movies in like subculture. Like, does anyone actually end up going out and being like, oh, I need to raise more awareness or raise money for, for this cause and like make charitable contributions and or seek help myself or something like that like i don't know if it really will make a bigger splash than just being like oh this is a thing in the world um i don't think it does necessarily that way but i think it's more so like if another major studio looks at it and they're like oh well this character had was suffering from this and that and and look look how popular this thing got let's make our own thing with that and it's so it's just so disgusting though it's just like profiteering off of like Oh, it's cool to talk about. All right, then we'll do it just because like we don't want to be the ones not talking about it. Like it's for the wrong reason. Maybe if it doesn't matter what the motive is, it could be. But I also feel like, um, and and I don't know, maybe you know, maybe kind of like taking this as an example. But like growing up, for example, um, we can talk about like the diversity angle of things, right? Before um anytime there would be you know me being of like mexican descent and all that anytime there would be a mexican character on a tv show or something it would always be like the you know the uh what you call it a side character comic relief or uh somebody in a gang right yeah that was always the portrayal of it and so once we started getting a little bit more like hispanic um characters at the forefront we started getting more main characters showing up you know under that ethnicity and so I think I view it more like that. Whether or not they're profiteering from it, it does become this subconscious thing where I think the culture starts to look at people in a different lens, you know. Whereas like mm. before, it's like, oh well, this this person has like a mental health issue. Perfect side character. Well, now you have this one big TV show that's you know has them headlining it. Um, it is it is a dangerous thing too to be like the only. And I'm not. I guess I shouldn't say that this is the only case of like putting mental health or split personalities on TV, but it is just like, there's a stigma that like anybody who has mental health issues is inherently dangerous. And it's like, it's just being perpetuated through this show as well, where it's like this guy falls asleep and is a murderer in his sleeping hours. And then in his waking hours, he's like, he blends into the crowd. Like it is pretty dangerous to be like, yeah, this is, this is what it looks like. Cause this is like probably like 1% of what the actual world is like yeah true i i think it's just more so like the topic of it being at the forefront of conversation you know and, and again i think that any conversation is better than no conversation at all on it 
But you're sure. right. It can easily deviate into something very different. And I guess it all depends on like how many political angles you want to, you know, poke at with the show. Uh, which, which is like, is, yeah, that's like my only like worry about this is that like mm-hmm. it's going to be highlighting the wrong things. And it's such a difficult thing to put into a show because people will run with it however they want. Where If they want to be like, yep, told you people with mental issues are are dangerously like dangerous inherently like yeah people will take it however they want it, it seems like because we're all entrenched in our views but like uh at like you i do see your point where like if there's some way to like not normalize it and say like it's okay but like at least get it on screen where it's like people can identify it with it on uh, being something that's out there or just at least being able to be like oh i never really thought about that or considered that yeah, I think it's just normalizing it to like being them like having some sort of visibility on it because sometimes we don't. Right. And it's a, but it, but it is a slippery slope, and so it depends on how you know things kind of go. Because like like I said too, like I, I feel like sometimes uh, with my example of like diversity and all that, for a long time, like the that the Hispanic or Latino character in a show would always be the comic relief, and so that's kind of how it went for so long. <laughs> That people would be like, oh, but there is representation. It's like, yeah, but it's not maybe the <laughs> right, you know. But well, I think Ivan, that... how do you think I feel? I I only get represented by like Iron Man and Captain America and like, I guess that's not <laughs> <laughs> the Captain America giving the negative. Mix, yeah. <laughs> no, you're you're totally right. No, that, yeah, like, but you're right. I, I I hope this is like at least some people can be like see something on the big screen and be like, oh, okay, I can talk about this with my friends or i can go seek help and it won't be as weird as i think it might be yeah i think the go seek help angle is the one that we're not really focusing on with this show all that much yeah they made like one passing joke about it and then at the end of this episode and i think we can kind of throw some spoilers in here but like i think at the end of this current episode episode four he's like stuck in a world of a mental health institution right as like purgatory uh, kind of a thing it was giving me like one flew over the cuckoo's nest kind of vibes. Um, so it, it, it is like, uh, I guess it depends on how the next episode is going to go then, right? Because I feel like that might be the episode where, and we kind of maybe predicted this, I think, the first uh, episode we talked about this show. Sure, let's give said, up for it. We're, no, we're, <laughs> one of us had mentioned like, we don't want it to be where like the last episode or second to last is like the one episode that focuses on mental health. Which it might be, I don't know. I'm just kind of speculating on it, but um, it seems that that might be the route that they take. Which, uh, you know, I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah, this is not like addressing it as like he should be getting help. It's more of like um, Shutter Island style of like, does he belong here, or are they making him believe that he belongs here? And it's like, it's not the same way to address that issue. But I guess. This is one way to show like this is actually kind of how the system is for people in the in there. It's like getting drugged up and having conversations that make them feel like, oh, maybe I was crazier than I thought. Right. You know, now that we're talking about this topic, I do feel like we did 
get mental health addressed a little bit on the PTSD angle with like Bucky's storyline in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, we've series. had this a lot in Marvel, and like, yeah, it's never been at the forefront. And I've seen articles that are like, ah, oh, Moon Knight's finally tackling mental health issues in Marvel. It's like, no, like you've had Wanda who's been tackling depression. You've had Thor who's been handling like grief, grief. and 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 feeling guilty for for something that he couldn't actually control. And then you're right. Like Bucky had PTSD symptoms. They talked about it with, uh, with um, Falcon in, was it civil war or the second Captain America where he was at the VA? Uh, No, that that was a series. I think. No, no, no. He was like the head of the VA talking about. Oh yeah. Yeah. Take home with him. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like this has been in there a lot, but it's just been overshadowed by these mega fights sequences that like you don't actually end up talking about it. Yeah, and I, and I guess this is an example as to why it doesn't really get talked about all that much because like I, I don't think anybody's really set the standard to how to do that. And so whatever gets done, I think is for to some extent positive, right? But you know, I I think it's something that will probably need further fleshing down the road. Yeah, I wish this could, like, in Disney's app, instead of, like, the recommended, like, oh, you should check out Thor Ragnarok after this. It should be, like, you should check out this documentary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, if they get their National Geographic team to to start branching beyond the web episode on it. Or that, yeah. (laughs) But is there anything else, like, specifically you want to, like, focus on on either episode three or four? Um, We get to see a lot of the Moon Knight costume and the fighting outside of all these mental um, health topics that we've been talking about. Yeah, I I think the attention to detail when it comes to, like, the mythology of the Egyptian gods, I think, has been really cool. Um, I think more often than not, what a lot of big Hollywood studio movies will do is like get two or three facts right and then just center their plot around that. But yeah, yeah, you know, from the inclusion of all the other gods that we saw in episode three, yeah, you know, I've seen other people kind of raise the the point of like this is actual, you know, good um, representation visually of Egypt, and the fact that this was actually shot in Cairo. <laughs> versus uh some of the other stuff that they've done in the past like uh, i forget what i was reading this article where this um uh, newscaster is basically saying like most of the time when people say they're you know when they're trying to set something in egypt they paint it out to be like this very big desert city and you know not full of people or or, or transformers alive. yeah Wonder yeah woman just did that too yeah wonder woman did not film in cairo even yeah. though they had a whole sequence supposedly there right <laughs> So I think in that extent, too, like the show's gone out of its way to really pay its respect to what some of this uh, stuff is. So like, uh, especially with the mythology and and the culture, uh, I think it's really cool to see Um, only be also because it adds to the legitimacy of what's going on with with the plot. Right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's funny. That's a great point. It's like when somebody speaks a different language on on the show, like. it, there was a Marvel project too. I'm, I'm forgetting which one, where somebody's uh, speaking Spanish and it's like the a really weird <laughs> dialect. And in, in, in the um, 
in the subtitles it's like speaking Spanish and I'm like barely, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes they just don't pay attention to these kinds of things. So it, it's cool to see them go out of their way to make sure that whatever they're trying to represent is actually, you know, viable. Yeah. Uh versus other projects where they don't pay any attention to that sort of thing. Yeah, that's a great point. Like the Steven character of uh Oscar Isaacs is like He's so fast talking and he's so knowledgeable because he's like he stays up all hours of the day and night so that he doesn't have to fall asleep. And he's just reading on these topics. So all of his lines that he like throws away, like when he's describing a tomb or he's describing like the the font or like the the language that's written on uh, certain artifacts, like he just throws away these facts that like. I mean, I'm not checking them, so I have no idea if they're accurate, but like they sound good and they like I'm I'm sure there's some legitimacy to it. And it's not even like a focal point of the plot. It's just like they got it right down to the details where it's like no one's going to pay attention to this, but it'd be worse if we just faked it. Right. Right. And, and I think that's the, that's the thing that I feel like I always have an appreciation for, um, especially when it comes to like stuff that I'm well aware of. Uh whenever they add stuff that you know seems legitimate it adds to the richness i guess of the experience uh for it whereas i think sometimes it takes you out of it if you feel like you know there's no um i'm trying to think of like the right example like i, I know that like there's been a netflix show recently with the set in like um i think it's like fresno or something but uh, when some of the when two of the key main characters speak any Spanish, it's like it's really bad Spanish. Mm-hmm. But these are supposed to be like native speakers that is very obvious. And so for me, it's like, all right, well, couldn't you get a dialect coach or somebody to kind of make it seem a little bit more legit? Out <laughs> of budget, out of budget. Yeah, right. Like, like, so I don't know. It's just one of those things. I I always used to think about it when I was growing up to like other people. Like whenever I'm watching like a. Uh, like an, an action movie that involves like kung fu or like um, you know brings in Asian culture or some other type of culture that I'm unaware of, like I'm, I'm wondering is there somebody like two seats away from me that's cringing because this representation is really bad? Yeah. Or because it takes you out sometimes. Like when you when you're aware of something and it's just not clicking, it just you know. Well, even it when it's like it. it's not your culture that you're like part of, but you can still tell like this is definitely wrong like it's really embarrassing that it's like it was even filmed or like okayed <laughs> right right or like when they film one city uh like, like they always interchange chicago and new york and sometimes like a show will be like oh this is new york but they're clearly on the chicago street i mean that's a lesser level than like making no, I know. the language but yeah i agree <laughs> <laughs> it's that level of it though that kind of takes you out for a minute you're like wait a minute that's not it yeah yeah the one thing too that i also would want to talk a little bit about is in the third episode um you know me being a lifelong age of mythology uh game fan uh the trial of the gods scene was like it it resonated with me like getting like all these gods in their avatar form like talking and um like passing judgment on each other and like having like a court scene type of thing uh, it wasn't a major part of the plot, or I guess part of the plot it was, but part of the time that was allocated to it, it wasn't that uh, that long. But I really enjoyed that part. I don't know about you. 
yeah, I thought it was really cool uh, to kind of see that entire sequence play out. And then also to learn that it's not just Khonshu, like it, most of the gods of, from the uh, pantheon of Egyptian gods there has a has an avatar that they speak through. Yeah, so it's like it's almost like the kind of the same foundations of the scroll invasion where it's like how many are walking among us? It's it's the same idea there. And since we're going to be talking about Thor in a little bit, I also have to point this out. You know how um I guess Athena was mentioned to be based off of Athena from the Eternals, right? Like that, right, that's right. the in-universe kind of context that they're giving us. Um, I feel like the acknowledgement that the Egyptian gods are actually real and, and roaming around the MCU also like further illegitimizes the role of the Eternals. Because originally I thought any like quote-unquote god from that universe would be referred to as an Eternal. Um, but that doesn't seem to be the case. And so in which case I'm like, so are the Eternals just kind of, I don't know, the role for them just seems to be more and more diminishing with each project that kind of comes along. They were only deviant focused. <laughs> no, you're right. Uh, the Eternals is a square peg trying to fit in the round hole. Like it, it makes sense if you only watch that movie, but like, it's really hard to tie in. It's gonna get harder too because I feel like if it's since they introduced Moon Knight and if they're gonna go the route of like introducing Blade and all, all this you're going to start going into like more and we already have Norse mythology through Thor. We saw glimpses of like, you know, the Greek gods and all that in other projects, but. but, And Darcy uh, talked about it too, within like the first Thor as well. Yeah. And blade, if you go, blades coming, we're going to get into like Christian uh, era stuff too. So, uh, (laughs) Like it just—it just seems like we're running out of room for where to fit the Eternals plot. Just like, just an observation, because I thought it was—I uh, thought it was kind of weird to see that uh, we're releasing something like Moon Knight almost immediately after you just launched Eternals. Yeah, it's a really dangerous thing to try and be like, yeah, this fits across seven thousand years. Well, it doesn't really give you a room to be like, oh, they were before that time or after that time. Right. Maybe it was during their hiatus when they feel like they accomplished their mission and they all kind of went their separate ways. Maybe. I don't know. It just it, <laughs> The movie just kind of seems to be like, you know, a little bit kind of out of place with all these projects kind of lining up. Um, but anyway, on the topic of Moon Knight, <laughs> um, I have been enjoying it. Like I said, I think it's I think it's my favorite show so far. And I, and I do say that after going and at least watching each show one more time uh over the course of the last couple months not binging them all in one sitting i know crazy right <laughs> i haven't gone back to watch rewatch them so maybe i'll appreciate them more uh back to back to back but like going through this the first time i don't know it to me it's like i could take a break and finish this whenever i have time you know like i don't feel like i'm missing out on anything it doesn't seem like Maybe I'm not as plugged into the uh, Twitterverse right now, uh, but it doesn't feel like this has the same sort of, uh, you know, effects on the community as like uh, Loki did. It's not trending. Like I, I don't see it. Well, I take it back. It's, it's not trending as prominently 
like it's a day of trend and that's it i feel like right right whereas i think loki well truth be told wandavision and loki were the only two shows that i from marvel that people would be talking about for an entire week and you would it would trend up and down yeah you know over the course of a seven-day period there but the amount of uh, memes you got out of it and like right and and everything that stuff like went on for the full week until the next episode which then fueled the next week and either that was uh, a result because we didn't have any like brand new content for a year and we needed something new and it also happened to be really good or you know we've been having a lot of content now and it's like okay well this isn't like that same level or maybe it is like if this was the thing that came out after a year-long break i probably would be like look on it with better like rose-colored glasses you know I think I think it's hard because things are going back to normal a little bit, and so that you know your eyes are getting pulled in every which way. You know, like oh, like for example, this week the Batman dropped on HBO Max, so yeah, it's I think we're allowed to be a little bit more critical right now than like we were of any like early or late 2020 and early 2021 movies and shows. Right. But yeah, I still stand by. It. I I, th- I think this is still my favorite show so far. And again, I th- I think it's objectively only because I feel like the show is starting to kind of find it. This is Marvel starting to find its footing in terms of how to create a series and focus on it. Yet I also do recognize, like you said, that it doesn't seem like you're missing out on too much if you're not watching the show, which I kind of appreciate too because I think this was one of the discussions you and I had, you know, years one years before when they announced that they were going to do these shows. Um, it's a lot of content. Like I, I don't want it to be required viewing. Yet at the same time, the fanboy in me does. But this kind yeah. of satisfies me. We're like, we're not getting any big MCU tie-ins just yet. We're just focused on these characters, and hopefully, you like them by the end of the series. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair assessment at where it's at. What there's uh, there's two more episodes left, right? So we're just over halfway. Yeah, we're. We're almost done. We're almost to the finish line. So we'll see. Which it feels like it's like properly paced. Like there's time for like one more letdown and then resolution in the last one. We need a very kick butt episode, whether it's next week or the week after. Yeah, it, um, it hasn't really been that. That That's like the one thing missing. Like we get like the last couple minutes of every episode is like the Moon Knight costume comes out and he kicks butt. But then it's like. What was the rest of this episode? It was just like them grappling back and forth of who gets to control the body. Well, it's very, it's very character heavy. And I think that that's something that we, we don't really see often with the MCU or we haven't seen often with the MCU. I think because we're used to movies, we're used to a pace that kind of balances that out a little bit more. And this one isn't doing that. It's, it's, it's focusing more on the development of these characters, which I appreciate. Yet at the same time, I'm also like, well, this is the MCU. Where's my big action se- action sequence? You know? Well, it's also like misleading for like, how powerful is this character? Because every fight he's being faced with, like whether it's like resurrection mummies or like wolves or whatever, or like modern like henchmen with guns, like he handles them with, like under two minutes or like three minutes. Like, is he the most powerful guy or is he just like not getting challenging matches? And that's like the, the hard to assess piece is like either his enemies are pretty weak or he's super strong because he's handling them like nothing. He's definitely got a power boost. Cause I think from the, in the comics, I think I mentioned this before, but in the comics, Mark Spector makes the costume himself. 
So it's not like a magical suit that gets summoned. Not just by summoning the suit. No, it's not. It's th- that's why there's a, like a big struggle back and forth whether he's actually, you know, being talked to by Moon Knight or if it's his personalities and he's actually, you know, not at all in control of what he's doing. That's interesting. So, you know, the show definitely has given him the whole. We're definitely set on this on him being like a, an ally of Khonshu, and we're going that route. Uh, and there's like this magical, mystical element. In the comics, it's not. He's he's a street level kind of like think of him like a, like as a Daredevil type hero. Don't get me started on Daredevil. <laughs> Best show. Yeah. Anybody, anybody who's holding out, you know, get Watch into it. it. It's uh, here. It's coming back for a season four. You, you got to get over the first like what two or three episodes i thought they were cool i don't I don't know which episode had the hallway scene but once i saw that hallway scene i i was hooked i was like All right, i, th- I think the first episode was like the return to the apartment and i think it was the second episode that i was like i was in on it it did everything so well so fingers crossed i i i hope they are making that season four that they've been teasing for a bit so oh i rewatched um no way home and now i feel like now i want to applaud when he appears on screen like yeah. when i first saw the movie i was like who the heck is this guy why is everyone so hyped about him <laughs> now i get it oh man yeah I, I i gotta say like out of that whole universe i'm so glad they didn't recast him and they brought him back yeah and i'm hoping they do the same thing with Kristen ritter's character with jessica jones because i feel like her show is also kind of hard to get through the first half of the first season but I really, really enjoyed her performance. And I thought that her character alone, you know, was one of the biggest highlights of the Netflix stuff that they did. I didn't watch any of that because you didn't give me, you know, intel that I had to. You're like, <laughs> well, yeah, it's listen, skippable. Jessica Jones is great. Well, I, I, did, I did say Jessica Jones is good, but it was going to take a while for you to get really into it. At least that's no, how I felt. No, not even that. You didn't tell me about the, uh, the 2.5 season show defend i did tell you about defenders yeah and you said it was lame and then i was like okay don't need to watch it you didn't I, give me any intel that i needed to watch it well no you don't necessarily need this to is a different pod this is no, gonna... <laughs> not here not now can we not in front of the people look i recommend all the netflix stuff minus iron fist just stay away from iron fist you don't need to know anything other than what goes on in the defender show about iron fist because I, I definitely need more uh john bernthal yeah Punisher. yeah his his show mind you i think the second season was a little weak but i, I think his performance alone just kind of carries most of that and i'm um uh, i'm looking forward to seeing him again yeah he's awesome all right speaking of awesome let's get into thor let's get into some hemsworth yes finally yeah we this is trailer. like this is worse than uh no way home right like this is the closest to a release date that it's taken for a trailer of any sort to be released. Almost. I read somewhere that we're like, we were a week away from it being past No Way Home's uh, time frame. I thought we passed that a while ago. Apparently, so I didn't realize this, but apparently we didn't get a trailer for No Way Home until um, like the last week of October. Man, that I don't get why they're doing this. So, 
I, I guess I can kind of see why, but at the same time, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure either. I, I know that what's, there's what's been... your hypothesis? Because like to me, it makes no sense. Like it's not building any extra hype than it would like if you dropped this little teaser like a couple months ago or like around Super Bowl timing. Like that, that's when the most eyes will be on it. And then you give like a full length trailer like right now. But why do you think like you're you're in that industry? Why do you think they would do a teaser now? So. Um, I guess not to get too deep into the woods with this, right? But like, when when it came to No Way Home, I know it was COVID. The conversation was like, you know, are we going to be able to release this or not? Like, we don't want to, because at that point they had already put dates onto trailers, uh, for different things like Black Widow, and it kept being pushed. And so this, on Sony's side, they're like, we really need to win. We don't want to you know, overhype it if we're not going to be able to release it this year. So that's why No Way Home was delayed so much. When it comes to to Thor, I've been hearing similar issues uh, going on, but also the fact that they've had a lot of problems with some of the films that they're that they've had in the works. And so what I've been hearing is that there's been reshoots of other projects that are making them contemplate whether or not they can still bet on those releases coming out on time. And if they weren't, then they were going to shift Thor out a little bit more so that they have a little bit more space in between uh, movies. In particular, what I have heard uh, um, has been a little contentious is Black Panther 2. Uh, There's been a lot of different issues coming out uh, with that movie. So... In terms of a hypothesis, I do think it's tied to that. I think that they were really trying to see whether or not they were going to release that movie on time. And if they weren't, then they were going to bump Thor to take its place in November instead of dropping it uh, in July. Uh, But I I think that they've worked out most of the stuff at this point because Marvel, I think, is less uh, flaky than something like Warner Brothers is. Like, I'd be hard-pressed at this point to believe anything Warner Brothers puts out <laughs> release-wise. Uh, but yeah, like that, 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 that's what I've heard about Thor. I don't know, again, I don't know how much of it uh, really will have much of an impact at, at all. Because I think we're, what, three months away from release for this movie? I think we're yeah, in pretty it's, good shape. it's for July, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think more likely than not, we will see it come out on time. And so hopefully we see more of a push for an actual, like, story trailer within the next two months or so did we really have like a popcorn movie last summer i feel like there was one but i can't remember like i don't see how you can push this last summer yeah uh i think the closest we got to was like f9 right yeah no because no it was it was godzilla right yeah but so in terms of the summertime the closest we got was black widow no that was like september no, that was Shang Chi was Shang Chi was in September. Gosh. Yeah, Black Widow was like June, July, I think. I think you're right. Yeah. But no, we we didn't really have a like a come see us at the movie theaters thing last year, because of the same because of the COVID issue. Yeah. So this is well, actually no, Doctor Strange two and Thor will be like the revival of that, to see if the if the summer season still has you know blockbuster power. I think it will. I mean, these are these are both heroes that like from the early phases that people like. Like, this is still like the people who 
have always been into Marvel will still go, and then like the new fans, I think, will come to it as well. So it's not quite a turning point where old fans are kind of phasing out. Yeah, I, I do think that this uh, both of these movies have legs, and so I, I, I don't, I'm not worried about them, um, you know, getting the proper release that they do. But but let's let's, let's talk specifics of trailer. So like, is there anything that stuck out to you that? gets you really excited or has you really nervous like it's it seems like we we talked about this a while ago of like what we kind of hoped for and it almost feels sad that we're getting it like we're seeing like rocky montages of training and getting back in shape and i think we said that jokingly but like i think we're actually gonna get that and i don't know if i actually like it <laughs> look anytime i can see thick thor back on the big screen i'm all game for it um it, it, yeah. it's comforting to know that even gods have to work out to get that beach bod ready. But I don't know if I want him going back to like, I need to get back in shape. Like, I don't know. Can, can't you just be a hero as a plus size model? No, no, you can't. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not necessarily, um, I guess just thinking back on what I thought we would see. Uh, from this movie, I it, it checked off a lot of the stuff that I was hoping to see, right? Like we have some interaction with the guardians. Um, not something that kind of concerns me, but I do think that maybe people should temper their expectations on the guardians' role a little bit because it does seem like even from the te- this teaser trailer, they're kind of hinting that they're not going to be sticking around for that long. Uh, so I wouldn't expect them to hang around throughout the entire film. I don't know. Uh, because he's with them when he's both plus size and thin. So unless he's doing the, the workout in the very beginning. I don't see him. There's only one shot of him and Peter Quill when he's in the armor and he's back to normal, not normal shape, but like back to like fit shape. But And that's the same scene where it seems like they leave him on some sort of planet while they take off. So that's what has me thinking that he's probably not going to be interacting with them like i can see them being in the first 15 minutes of the movie and then taking off but then again jodenheim yeah or he has that ravager outfit on too so who knows true well i think he's just borrowing peter's clothes (laughs) it certainly looks like it right ripping out the sleeves it looks like that's his trench coat but just like trimmed up a bit but what's up with uh what's up with the new asgard like at, at the end of endgame Obviously, Thor transitions power to Valkyrie, and she says, like, I'd make a lot of changes. But we get, like, snapshots of, like, them bringing a lot of their tech back. So, like, these flying boat-looking things. But then you also get, like, cruise ships in their harbor. And then they have, like, UN-looking political meetings. Like, is this going to be a major part, you think? Um, I think this is probably going to be, like, either the B or the C story. Uh, but I, I do think the the thing to note is, you know, Thor essentially leaves Valkyrie in charge as the new king mm-hmm. of, of Asgard while he leaves with the Guardians. But he says something that it's time for him to become who he is meant to be, not who or like basically who he wants to be. Right. Versus what everybody thinks he's supposed to be. Yeah. Who he's meant to be, not who he's supposed to be. And I think this movie might be him coming back around to the idea that here's the person that he was always meant to be. And that happens to also be 
he wants to be. Like what Asgard is missing is 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 uh, Odin, right? And yeah, I think that's like the, at least how they wrote it in Marvel is like, is Odin actually a good guy or not? Like he raises sons good, but he no. was like clearly a a tyrant with his daughter. Well, that's the thing. Like what I mean is like I think that. The he, like Thor needs to become that Odin like figure that is supposed to be like the the, the de facto leader of the Asgardians. And, and I you don't think, think a woman can do it? Are you is that what you're saying? No, <laughs> no, she can't. Wow, all right, right into Ivan. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying at all. <laughs> but I think in, in, in the comics, he goes a long way to finally becoming you know the Thor, I'm sorry, the Odin replacement. You know, he becomes the all-father, basically, in the, in the comics. Uh, but he goes through a whole period of where he thinks he's unworthy, and so he has to basically fight his way back to becoming worthy. Um, do I think that's necessarily what he's meant to to be? I, I think he is. I think he's meant to be the ruler of Asgard, and I think Valkyrie's more so meant to be a more kind of, like, free... Um, like a free agent, essentially, because that seems to be what she was thriving on too when she was in Ragnarok. It sounds like you just don't want women in power. I mean, she I'm looked hearing. bored on that in that meeting. It seems like she was done and fed up with with the governing too. Wouldn't you be with politics too? Like politics bore me. Oh, I am. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't think. That, I don't think that story is gonna like. I, I guess um, take up too much of the of the plot of the movie but i do think that it will probably see asgard either move or transition into something different uh because it definitely doesn't seem like valkyrie's all that happy and it doesn't seem like yeah um, I, I don't know if it belongs on earth and it's not like i'm trying to be like you know go back to where you came from but like <laughs> but like it seems like you're so much more advanced than us and you Again, you're trying to fit something that doesn't belong where it's like we're invading your space with like cruise lines as tourist attractions. It it doesn't make sense here in Norway. How, how panicked is the MCU's version of the UN is at this point, right? Because like not I don't only even do know if have... this is UN. I think I said that uh, as a quick assessment, but I'm looking at the trailer snapshot and I think it's like the same idea as like parliament so i think this is just like norway's council probably but what i mean is in the eu what i mean is like within the mcu the world has just become aware of wakanda probably yeah. the most first world country that there is in the mcu and and then now you also have the asgardians taking residency in norway and the un is also busy with like the falcon and winter soldier events as well yeah like they, this is a lot happening at one time post blip. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like considering real world real world politics, like the UN's got to be pretty nervous about these like powerful you know big forces at play here that are not earth like not necessarily very earthly. Um and probably like outgun them by a lot should they start any conflict with them. But this is it's like a wacky, like, I'm just looking at the whole trailer as an all now. Like, it's really wacky. It's really Taiko YTT. Like, I don't know if it's going to be a good thing or a bad thing. Like, 
he hasn't really produced a bad project. Like I thought Jojo Rabbit was going to be really weird, but it turned out to be really good. Like, and I think that's the case that we have here. Like, is this too far for a Marvel movie? Maybe, but it's also probably going to be like a good just movie movie. Well, we thought that when Ragnarok came around too. Right. I think a lot of the fan base was like, oh, this is too funny. Like we don't, we don't like this. It's too, you know, uncomfortable. Yeah, and it turned out to be one of the best ones. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not worried about the film. I think it looks, it does look wacky. It does look zany, but it feels right up Taika Waititi's alley. And I think this is the Thor that we've actually grown to, to love. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm not worried about it. I think it's going to be a good film. Um, I'm excited to see Jane Foster as as Thor. Yeah. So that's an interesting element. Um, I ever since the trailer came out, I I do have to <laughs> point out that there was this big um, debate on Twitter between like I guess people that are supportive of of uh, Natalie Portman as Thor, and then I guess incels being like <laughs> they're feminizing Thor. This is horrible. This is you know take your pick. Well, like, what's the comic uh, lore behind that? I mean, like, obviously it's been in comics, so it's not like they're just making it up to, like, gender bend for this. But right. how big is that as a plot line? Um, small? It's, re- it's a really good story. It, it's not huge, huge, right? It's kind of relegated to just the Thor book when it came out. But there was a storyline where essentially Thor was deemed unworthy. He abandoned Mjolnir because he couldn't... Um, he felt himself unworthy, and so because of that, he was unworthy. So he couldn't lift it, basically. Mm. Um, and so, oddly enough, this is where he goes out and seeks redemption for the stuff that he's done. I don't remember exactly what the heck happened with the comics to kind of make him think that, but uh, he goes on a whole journey, and he ends up having to run into Gore the God Butcher, which is the villain for this movie. Uh, while all that... Christian Bale, right? Yeah, that's the Christian Bale's character. That's okay. Um, but while all that is happening, uh, Mjolnir calls to another candidate, and it happens to select Jane, who the reason why I think this storyline is pretty cool is Jane Foster at that point is a cancer patient who's been fighting cancer for, I think, I think breast cancer for like three or four years or so. It was like a very light, uh, like a very deep plot line in the Thor books up until Yeah, that point. I do remember you mentioning that on a previous episode. Uh... And so the cool thing about it is anytime she lifts the hammer and gets Thor's power, it also diminishes the effect that her chemotherapy has done on her body. So it basically makes her worse. Um, it makes her cancer worse when she puts down the, the, the hammer and like rel- relinquishes the, her, her powers for that time. Um, so it, it was a really cool story. I think it ran for about two years or so. Um, up until the point that she eventually uses up all her power and she ends up dying mm. uh, from the cancer, obviously. But uh, And then at that point, Thor comes back and retakes the the hammer and becomes worthy again. Um, is it a big story? In the scale, no, but it's a really cool and I think a very inspiring type of uh, story. And it's it's one of the more modern storylines. I think this story was about four or five years ago or so. So it's a quick adaptation for them to make. Because usually Kevin yeah. Feige likes to pull from stuff from the 70s and 80s, not the new stuff. Well, I think it's like you said, like there's going to be A plots and B plots and C plots for this. And this might just be 
kind of like how it ends. It doesn't necessarily have to be that it's throughout the whole thing. So maybe it was kind of like a, oh, we can write that in type of thing. Yeah, I think some people are just like nervous that they're going to sunset Thor and have her have him be replaced by Natalie Portman's character. I mean, would that be such a bad thing? I would no, because I think that it's kind of time for Thor to become more of a cameo character. Like, I don't want to see him get, get killed off either. But I do think that he's it makes sense also from a comic perspective for him to become that Odin figure. Like the yeah. one guy that like is so OP that you have to call him whenever there's a big, big issue. But he doesn't hang around all that much anymore. You know, I mean, this guy is summoning the Bifrost with an axe. And then in this movie, right. he's he's burying that axe. <laughs> and his hands are for peace now. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for this movie. This is one of my favorite heroes of the of the original crew. Um, I think just like he's got probably the most interesting character arc. Like Iron Man is definitely like, you know, number one for all time because he's the original. But he he evolved, but it was very linear. Like Thor has gone, you know, full bell curve of emotions. He's evolved so much that I think that when the MCU first started, Thor was at the bottom of my list in terms of like, who's my favorite Avenger? You know, like if I was yeah. to make a ranking, like Hulk was above him. <laughs> um, but it did such a 180. I think Ragnarok specifically, we could probably credit uh, for doing that. And, and you see the difference, right? Because I think um, Thor from Thor 1 all the way to, I think, Age of Ultron. You have a very, you have a Thor that's kind of mildly funny here and there, but he's mainly serious. Age of Ultron, he like is the building blocks for like, okay, he can become a funny character. Right, they started playing with humor a little bit more with him. But you're right, there was like what three or four movies before that where he's in that he's this. I don't know if you drew a cartoon of Thor, it's like what that comes to life, you know. Right. And I think the Taika Waititi's movies have kind of highlighted the Thor from the comics, which is this guy that is serious and gruff when he needs to be, but he's also one of the loosest out of the Avengers. Like, he's a guy that doesn't take things all too seriously. He's like a kid at heart, but, you know, with the power to, like, destroy a solar system. (laughs) But, yeah, I think... uh... I think we're both really excited for this one. I hope they stick to the July release date, like we were talking about. Um, it's possible, though, that they would move it, but I hope not. I hope so, too. It will make a pretty good... Um, uh, I think it will make for a pretty good review around that time. Yeah. So why don't we, uh, why don't we cut this here? We're going to continue watching Moon Knight, and then we can eventually give our wrap-up thoughts on that. But, of course, if you think we missed anything on either Moon Knight or on the Thor trailer, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at BT4thWall. Otherwise, thanks thanks for for listening.